Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I can't believe I've no work again. It's so hard to build a career. Well, have you thought about a career in technology? Nah, I've no tech qualifications. What about future in tech? Their academy offers industry qualifications in cybersecurity, cloud, digital marketing, data analytics, web and software development. And it's all free. But lots of places offer free programs. How's this different? It's 100% online classroom learning with live tutors. You don't need a tech background. And you have access to industry mentors and career advisors. Great. Where do I apply? At futureintech.ie. This program is fully funded by the Technology Ireland ICT Skillnet through Skillnet Ireland. It's the coldest of cold cases. Five women murdered and mutilated in Victorian London. But trust me, everything you think you know about Jack the Ripper and his victims is wrong. I'm historian Hallie Rubenhold, and when I went back into the records, it became clear that the real story of those murdered women is richer and far more disturbing than we'd ever been told. Listen to Bad Women, The Ripper Retold, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Afghanistan, where the final stage of America's longest war is playing out amid a relentless advance by the Taliban. It now controls nearly all the major cities and is within 50 miles of Kabul. It's 3 a.m. We are on the tarmac of the Kandahar airport. I'm sitting with around a couple hundred Afghan soldiers all sitting on the ground. And they are getting ready to leave on government planes that are coming to pick them up after making a deal with the Taliban that said, the Taliban doesn't attack for the night, they'll have safe passage out. So far, these are big government carriers that are coming in and picking up as many soldiers as they can. We missed two so far. We're waiting for the third one. The first one was chaos. All these different soldiers were trying to push in and get on the plane. 
the second one was to a different province and the third one we're gonna have to also probably withstand the chaos to push on we're really lucky to get this flight this is one of the only ways to get out for the soldiers here it's you know it's kind of a bittersweet moment i think a lot of these guys were really ready to fight but now everybody's gonna get on this plane and go home with their heads held though we're all kind of stuffed together, pushing around. Um, they left the majority of their bigger equipment, so you can see their trucks and Humvees all kind of sitting in the distance and all kind of being left for the Taliban to just take because they can't get it on these carriers. Here right now, we're all kind of sitting on this tarmac, looking at the Kandahar airport, realizing that we might not see it again for a long time. Games throughout Afghanistan. New video showing the Taliban inside the Afghan presidential palace there in Kabul. Taliban fighters say they seized hundreds of weapons, vehicles, and ammunition. American supplied vehicles. The White House is sticking to its promise to end America's longest war. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So, what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zumros. And I'm Ben Solomon, international correspondent and producer for Vice News. With the Taliban now in complete control of Afghanistan, a lot of the focus has been on the failures of the American-trained Afghan military. We have watched in the past weeks as huge swaths of the country fell quickly and often without resistance. Ben Solomon, who was on the front lines with the Afghan military as the country collapsed, explains the -the on-the-ground realities that their soldiers faced. So Ben, I'm talking to you less than 24 hours after you got back from Afghanistan. Just tell me, what was that like? Yeah, we 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 just got out over the weekend, and uh, it was uh, it was an intense time. Over the past forty eight hours, it's really kind of went from bad to worse. It's pretty amazing how quickly this has kind of become just a huge place of desperation and sadness in such a small amount of time. I think everybody's feeling still a little shocked and still a little lost in in what's going to happen now. So you and your producer, Adam Desdario, first arrived in Afghanistan last month. So at the end of July, we decided that, you know, now is really an important time to see the downturn in Afghanistan. Good afternoon. President Biden announced in April that the U.S. troops would begin to withdraw. I've concluded that it's time to end America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home. And by the end of the summer, that they would fully be gone. And we kind of wanted to start tracking that. We knew that the Taliban was in the middle of trying to take over parts of Afghanistan. 
and we knew that this was a losing battle. The president has set August 31st as the date that nearly all U.S. troops will finally be out of Afghanistan, even as it appears that country is descending into civil war. So the idea was to kind of track this losing battle as the Taliban takes over. What we didn't know is how fast it was going to happen. So we made it here to Kabul, flew in on a dusty, hot day. So we went to Kabul without much of a plan. It's really quiet on the streets, you know. If you, if you drive around Kabul, you know, things, are, things look kind of just like business as usual. By the time we got there, the U.S. troops were almost entirely gone. And the Taliban was fast encroaching on government-controlled territory. People are just going about their lives and... You don't really feel the fact that, you know, this city and so many others are more and more being surrounded by Taliban advances. We decided to start meeting with sources, start figuring out where we'd go, get a sense of kind of where Afghanistan was at the moment, who we could talk to, which government officials could lead us where. Hey, this is Ben. So we finally made it to the besieged city of Kandahar. This is Afghanistan's second biggest city, and it is right now completely surrounded by Taliban. Kandahar, it's really the spiritual capital of the Taliban. This is the place where Mullah Omar, the founder and chief operative of the Taliban, decided to kind of make the movement. And since then, it's been the place that the Taliban has seen as its most important city. Uh, in 2001, when America pushed into the country, it was the last Taliban stronghold that fell. So it's really the most important kind of city for the Taliban to hold outside of the capital. It's important symbolically. Not only symbolically, tactically. It really, if you take Kandahar, you take the south. So Kandahar was not only an important to the Taliban, but also important to the Americans. It kind of is the center of so many of the fights where Americans held and fought for territory. So today we are in a military base just on the outskirts of Kandahar. It's the desert, it's scorching hot out here and there's not much cover. Kandahar is about 13 miles from the Kandahar airfield. It's about due southwest, and if you just keep going on this one road that is really slick and paid for by the Americans, you get to the airbase, and the airbase is, is almost like a small city unto itself. The Americans spent so much time there, it's really famous for its you know, sprawling centers that supported Americans, these huge buildings that housed you know, hundreds or thousands of soldiers. Uh, and at one point, I think it even had a TGIF. Hmm. There's remnants of old American forces all around. It was just a really different part of the world and a different kind of American ecosystem living amongst Kandahar and amongst the South and Afghanistan. You know, all these structures were designed and built by the Americans. And before, this was just a desert. When President Biden announced that the U.S. troops were going to be drawn down, nearly a month later in May, they handed it over. Now, this is a huge base with um, containers that were converted into housing and huge bunkers for hundreds of the commando forces here. We just got back from a long day visiting the front lines with the 
commandos here in Kandahar. Kandahar is surrounded and we went to two of the front lines on the west and the south ends of the city to inspect how these fights are happening and just get a sense of what these fighters' lives are like. So when we got to Kandahar, we got to spend some time on the front line with all the different soldiers and the different forces fighting there. These are the soldiers that are doing the harshest fighting. These are the soldiers that are doing the real kind of pushing against the Taliban here. They are trained by the Americans, brought up under the training and support from them for so many years. And really, these fighters are the silver lining of 20 years of American war here. And they are, in effect, the most important part of the fight here. But they're also stretched thin. Like here in Kandahar, they're just one part of the fight. They don't trust the other units, like the police. Um, they, they aren't trusting them to kind of hold territory. Over the past 20 years, the U.S. has spent between 83 and $85 billion training the Afghan military. This was meant to bulk up their ground forces. It was meant to bulk up their air force. It was meant to bulk up their communication and really just to make them self-sufficient, to have an army that is built in the image of an American army, which is to say there's different areas, there's different support systems, and there's different ways that they can fight, all similar to the U.S. ways of fighting. What we found is that the fighters all over are exhausted. We met the soldiers that had been out at the front lines for months. Most of them haven't had a break since the fighting began. And right after Biden announced the American withdrawal. And all of them are low on ammo, low on food, low on supplies. They were asking us to appeal to the Americans to help support with bomb runs and any kind of fighting support. It was, it was really shocking to see just how unprepared they were. Mm. Uh, it wasn't just a matter of, of not being uh, ready for the fight or not being prepared. We would go to outposts where you know, some of the soldiers were, were thin and said that the only thing that they had for weeks was potatoes. And they felt that the government didn't only forget about them, but didn't really care about them. It's, it's a really wretched day here. Kandahar has finally fallen into the hands of the Taliban uh, after two days of fighting with the army, the police, the commandos, and many other Afghan forces. A lot of the fighting quickly devolved. So for months before we got there, the common thing that was happening was that the military forces, the ANA and the police, were giving up without any fighting. They were just handing their weapons over. A lot of these special forces soldiers that we're spending time with are saying that a lot of the national army, a lot of the police just gave up their arms right away when they saw the advance. They didn't want to fight at all after years of corruption. And the Taliban was basically going up to these men and saying, listen, you guys don't have it. You don't have the guns. You don't have the support. You're going to get beat. We're going to kill you. So instead of that, give us your guns now. Give up. We'll give you amnesty. We'll give you a hug. We saw lots of videos of like brothers, you know, like, and, and you can walk away. Don't fight for a government that doesn't believe in you. Don't fight for a government that doesn't support you. Mm. Give up now. 
no harm, no foul. We'll let it be, and uh, we'll just take this territory. And it worked. It worked really well. And that's what happened. We were totally caught off guard. So on Friday, we were watching this kind of city fall. So right now we're in the control room of some of the uh, drone operations over Kandahar, where they're watching the city right now and trying to see everything from above. At one point, they watched drone footage of the governor fleeing his home and coming to the airfield to try to get away from the fighting. That was at the end of the fight when things were really getting bad. We're watching a live feed of the governor leaving his compound, abandoning the city. Wow. There must be like 50 or 60 SUVs and trucks and Humvees all trying to, to, to rush out of the city. They're all, oh, that's us. They're all coming in here. They're just, they're giving up the city. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just a quiet one, catching up on me, so good energy. Wait, there's a change of scene. Now it's hopping in the weather's feeling so serene. Go out fresh scope, no time to rest, so hop a taxi. Off the coast road, grabbing ice cream. Back to town for a late night show, yeah. Who knows where next we'll go, yeah. Make a way home for a disco nap. But the next adventure's waiting on time. Come here to me, come here to me. Wanna grab a taxi, just get free now. Get there your way. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. 
If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. The Taliban have pushed towards the airport, taken the road towards there and made great progress towards it. So we're stranded in, and in even more of a complex position because the Taliban is now possibly inside CAF. So the Taliban had completely surrounded us. They controlled the roads, they controlled the city, and they were on the move right towards us at the CAF airbase. And so we were told, now you're going to go with the 03 unit. These guys have kind of just stashed us away and tried to protect us. Um, this moment, you know, it's, it's one of the most precarious I've ever been in. And the last remaining fighters that were going to really, really put up the fight against the Taliban. We're seeing hundreds of soldiers prepare and scurry together. This is the entirety of the force. They're all running around, jumping into cars, checking their gear, checking their weapons. It's a mixture of excitement and, and, and anticipation. There's also fear. When we talk a little deeper under the surface, we hear that you know, they don't know what's coming. They don't know what's going to happen. There's not really a big plan. The only thing we can do is kind of fortify ourselves here, hold back the enemy. And these were the most elite U.S. trained commandos in the country. A lot of them speak English like they're, like they're in a Marine. Can you hear me, brother? Hey. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. The network is bad. Um, they must have learned it from American soldiers speaking like, hey, bro, what's up, dude? Yeah, I'm hearing, brother. Ben, so can you tell us more about these soldiers, the people you spent time with in the past month? We've mostly heard about these surrenders, but not from their perspective. Yeah, so we spent time with a couple different units. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Mohammed Nasir. Lieutenant Mohammed Nasir. Nasir. Yes. How old are you? Uh, I'm about 31 years old. I talked to one young lieutenant on the days leading up to the Taliban advance on the city. So you're surrounded on all sides. You don't have the air support fast enough, and you yes. don't have the thermal vision to yeah, match theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what can you do? So we are fighting with them that uh, we hope we are keeping our finger crossed. So what I was hearing from Nasir and other soldiers around there was, was not that they were sick of fighting. It was resolve, is that they wanted to keep going. They wanted to fight. They wanted to take advantage of this moment and push the Taliban back. The desire was there to stay and fight, but they just didn't have the support that they needed. As I am about two months here and the other also. So the fighting is still continuing. Are you worried for your life? Are you worried that they will kill you? No. We uh, say Allah will kill you, so you will be killed. If he doesn't want, so you will, you will be alive. Hmm. I feel like the focus, or a lot of the focus so far, has been on how so many soldiers in Afghanistan just fled or stood down immediately. Yeah, exactly. It seems like with the American government, that's been the line that we've been hearing, which is that these soldiers weren't ready and they didn't want to fight. The reality with the soldiers we talked to was a lot different. And the issue was not just this week or this month. 20 years we're fighting this enemy, they never dared to come in front of us. Face-to-face fight, they never went. 
I've never lost a soldier that they got shot from the back. Every time I lost a soldier... Commander Mohammed Iqbal is the short, fiery, experienced commander. And he had spent years in Kandahar as a leader of these men. And now he was being pulled out and not getting the chance to have the fight that he expected. But unfortunately, we're not a big force. We are a small unit. I wish instead of building all these other forces, army and other press, I wish the government just invested on units like this, that we have few in uh, all Afghanistan. And they are defending. You guys are seeing it. When I spoke to Commander Iqbal, this was last week as Kandahar was falling. The 03 unit soldiers that we had been with inside the Kandahar Air Force Base learned that the Afghan National Army had struck a deal to be able to leave without a fight. And this was not ideal for them. For the 03 guys, they wanted to fight. They were looking forward to testing their strength and testing their abilities against the Taliban. But to do it alone and to do it without the support of everyone else, the thousands of other soldiers, the different kinds of units to support them, they knew that this was going to be a losing fight. So they too had to stand down. What does it feel like after 20 years of fighting to be leaving now, to be giving up the city here? It's the weak leadership. It's uh, the strategic plans that we had were not good. And the security forces that uh, we sacrificed in the last 20 years, there was no feelings for them, for their families. All of our uh, politicals, our leaders, whoever, they had other citizens, they didn't care. And they were the ones who were in charge in these last 20 years. They were controlling everything. They didn't care. All of their kids were in safe heaven. Their families were in safe heaven. Whatever happening now, they can get out anytime. It's only fight for men like me and my men. What I heard and what I took away from these conversations was that these soldiers had felt abandoned by their own government. Certainly they felt abandoned by us, by the American forces who left so quickly. But there was deep frustration with 20 years of bad leadership and 20 years of just corruption that just ate away slowly at all the money and all the morale. President Biden on Monday said that it was the Afghanistan government who appeared to lack the will to fight and the soldiers who appeared to lack the will to fight. We gave them every chance to determine their own future. We could not provide them was the will to fight for that future. From what you've seen, did that register as true? I think that was was insulting and uh, unfair to a lot of the soldiers there. I think, you know, there's so many different kinds of soldiers and so many different forces that wanted to fight. And the reality is that, you know, it wasn't fair to kind of expect what these soldiers would be, would be exactly like the way that the Americans wanted them to be. You know, the biggest problem in the U.S. war in Afghanistan was that they spent $80 billion building an army in their own image in the American system of fighting wars, which is a big, bulky, expensive, cumbersome movement of fighting. Mm. And what they did in building this army and building this military that was, that was set in this way is that they didn't consider what the enemy was, which is a agile, small, smart, knowledgeable enemy that can easily blend in and out, that can easily fight a guerrilla warfare for years to come. 
you know, the old famous saying in Afghanistan that the Taliban would always say for the past 20 years of fighting was the Americans have the watches, but we have the time. Mm. And now as this fight kind of progresses, that is registering more and more true. And the fact that Biden is now saying, well, you know, they just didn't have the will to fight. It's, it's total bullshit. And I think if you ask the soldiers there and if you ask the Afghans who knew how to fight the Taliban, they could tell you that for 20 years they've been saying the same thing, which was like, you got to be faster, you got to be smarter, you got to play on their level. And the Americans just didn't listen. Afghanistan's second biggest city, Kandahar, has fallen to the Taliban in a significant blow for the government forces there. My understanding is that this past weekend, you and your producer, Adam, were witnessing the last area of the region get taken over by the Taliban. And at this point, you and a number of Afghan forces were trapped at the military airfield near Kandahar, right? You, you were essentially pinned down. Yeah, we were kind of in it with them. We knew that if we stayed there for the night, it could potentially be the, the night that the fighting breaks through and the Taliban pushes towards us. The reality is, is that Kandahar is now fully lost. And although they didn't get to fight for it, they'll still be able to get back to Kabul and continue on there. And in the 11th hour, as the sun was going down, uh, we got a call from one of the high-level officials in the, in the government of Afghanistan, and he said, a flight's going to come. The reality for us is that we get to leave what happened was through back channels, through chatting with you know high-level officials, talking to you know shadow governors of the Taliban, they basically cut a deal, hmm. and they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop fighting for the day. You guys are gonna have you know this much time, maybe 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. We get to have American passports, with, which give us the privilege to be able to leave the country and get out of this situation." We have the privilege to be amongst these military. Soldiers are all desperately pushing their way to the front. You know, they even fired shots in the air just to scare people off. It's really a desperate scene. So many people here are just without sleep, without rest, without food. What's important to recognize at this moment when we're seeing so many images come out of Afghanistan of people you know, just desperate desperate for some sort of hope is the amount of just disparity of the privilege that comes into the situation. There's so many people there and so many people in need and so many people hoping to get out. So this elite group of Afghan commandos who helped you get out of Afghanistan, do you know where they are now? So uh, I, I do. I'm talking with them a lot. I'm chatting with them as we go. And a lot of them have changed from this, like, tough guy, you know, really swaggered soldiers to really desperate civilians. Um, I My phone is constantly on ringing with these guys, and they're all kind of asking me for help, asking me for support, asking me if I have any contacts with the government. You know, all of these people are at risk. If you have served water to an American at some point in the 20 years of the American occupation there, mm -hmm. you can be worried that you can be sought out as a, as a collaborator with the Americans and the Taliban could see you as a potential person to kill. We're all trying to support the people that have supported us for so long. 
um, our local producers, our drivers, our support staff, not only for us at Advice, but you know, so many industries, so like, like so many news networks that have been there for so long covering the war. They're all looking for ways out. So for us that have worked there and for us that have friends there and people that you know we've been through crazy times with, there's not much hope we can offer at the moment and and that's what's been really been the hardest hardest part for for so many journalists like like me that that really like found people that we love there Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We've all had time to think, to figure stuff out. What we like and don't like about our jobs, our careers. Maybe you don't want to go back to the office or that four-hour commute. Or maybe you never want to work from home again. At Irish Jobs, we believe everyone should be free to choose the job that fits their lives. Whether you want to step up, step down, or even try something completely new. Choose the life that you want. Visit irishjobs.ie Remember when we thought tech would save the world? Now we fear it may bring about the end times. But we don't have to live in the futures we see in Terminator, Black Mirror, or Westworld. We can choose a different path, where instead of being used by tech, we use tech to bolster our individual participation, to strengthen our relationships, to help us flex our collective power. So season three of How to Citizen with Baratunde, it's all about tech. Launching October 14th, we will bring you the people building things with technology, that go beyond just revenue and user growth. They empower us to citizen. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This week and in the coming weeks, Vice is going to continue to cover the situation in Afghanistan closely, with help from our colleagues and from Afghans on the ground as the situation develops for them. So check out our Twitter, our Instagram, and Vice News Tonight on Vice TV. Special thanks to Ben C. Solomon and Adam Desiderio for their reporting from Afghanistan, as well as to the entire Vice News organization for their tireless coverage. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cutrell, Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, Julia Nutter, and Sarah Cavedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ariel Zuenros. You know the drill, I say this at the end of every episode, but please take the time to rate and review the podcast. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. It robs you of the simple joys of life. It drains your motivation to the point where you can't get out of bed. It's seeing darkness where there should be light feeling despair when you should feel hope. Depression is a common condition. You don't have to go through it alone. AWARE provides support, education and information for people impacted by depression and bipolar disorder. Find out more this AWARE Mental Health Week, October 4th to 10th. See aware.ie. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.